Ads, schmads. If you don't want ads, that's okay. Choose the Dave McWilliams Plus option on Apple Podcasts. And hey, presto, no ads. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How are you doing there? John and I are discussing barn brack. He's just eight, I'd say about half the barn brack. He was looking yeah, for the ring. Half a pound of butter on it as well. He was looking for the ring. He wants to get married again. Uh, do you remember the pea? There was a pea the in it. The pea used to break your teeth on it. There was a stick in it. And a rag. and a, An old oil rag or something from a garage. <laughs> This is Barnbrack. If you are Irish, you understand exactly what we're talking about. If you're not Irish, this is one of our many bizarre <laughs> Halloween holidays. Our ho- Halloween... Sour. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, it's not American. It's an Irish festival. Just yes. so you know that, yeah. right? Anyway, that we were discussing that. And we were also discussing John's enduring love of the kebab. Indeed. Persian food. Good Persian, Persian food. food. Harbour kebab in Dunleary. The business. Okay. Yeah. I haven't been locked enough yet to go into <laughs> Anyway. So today we are talking part four of our Palestinian-Israeli conflict series, trying to give you the economic history, the history, the demography, the politics, the geopolitics, and trying to get a handle on the whole thing. John, I've uh, we've been accused in equal yeah. measure of being pro-Israeli and pro-Palestinian. So that's kind of, kind of perfect, isn't it? That's where you want to be. Absolutely, absolutely. Can't make up their minds, yeah, no, are good or bad? I had this, this, this thing, I, I tell you an odd thing about the Israeli thing. Right? Last summer, I was shooting a documentary in Lebanon. Yeah. And Lebanon is controlled by Hezbollah. Most of mm. South Lebanon is controlled by Hezbollah. And we were supposed to do an interview with the chief bottle washer of Hezbollah, right? Which is an unusual oh, thing right. to do, right? Wow. And our fixer, so the most important person. If you're yeah, I was going to say, how do you get to So, it? yeah, if you're doing a foreign gig documentary, the most important person is the fixer, the mm. local on the ground who fixes everything and runs around the place and makes the phone calls, arranges interviews, arranges, not just interviews, but arranges how you get in mm. and out of yeah. holy sites and all that sort of stuff. And <laughs> you get uh, out of holy sites? Yeah, because you're doing... Because you're doing... <laughs> There's a church, to, just walking the door. Yeah, the holy site, exactly. <laughs> but, so our lad was a guy called Samir, lovely fellow. And on the day we're supposed to be interviewing the Hezbollah geezer, we're in Beirut, mm. and Samir comes in, looks really hassled. And yeah. I said, what's wrong with you, Samir? He said, why didn't you tell me? I said, what are you talking? He says, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me that you worked in Israel? And I said, how do you mean? He said, Hezbollah, no, Right. Wow. And I said, wow. and I was thinking, I was thinking this is Hezbollah's great insight. The sort of the, the Hezbollah version of Mossad had actually done their tracks on me and figured out who I was yeah, and all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I said, 
Why? Because Hezbollah know and they've cancelled the interview. And I said, how do they know? And he says, it's in your Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, hats off to the intelligence services. Never to McWilliams. Uh, who is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wikipedia. Because yeah, my Wikipedia page, you know, Wikipedia page is written by people who either hate you or love you, but it's all mad. It's, like, it's a big jigsaw of mentalness, right? Anyway, we are going to do part four, John. Right? Yes, indeed. And by the looks of things, we may well do part five, part six. Oh but my let's God. just hope that we finish this at part four of the Israeli. Palestinian conflict. Okay, well, just to recap from where we left off in part three, part three, we spoke about basically the period from the 1990s up to the rise of Israel as the kind of tech giant in the world, but more specifically about the Oslo Accord and why the two-state solution didn't work. We also covered the likes of the rise of the extremists on the Arab side and the collapse of the kind of reasonable centre ground in Israeli politics, and hence comes Netanyahu and, and his... And, and Hamas on the other side. Yes, yeah. yeah. The role of demography in the region, with more or less equal numbers of Israelis and Arabs of about 7 million each, yeah, you were saying. A, yeah, the, the whole, if you take Gaza, the West Bank, Israel proper... You've got about 7 million Arabs yeah. and about 7 million Jews. Yeah. And then we spoke about 9-11 yeah. and the impact of 9-11 and how the Americans handled 9-11 going into Afghanistan and Iraq and, you know, all that, which basically led to the weakening of America. Yeah, ironically, the they ended up being weaker yeah. than they were, you know. So now we want to look at what's happening now in, in more recent years, like the Abraham Accords and kind of these new emerging and nurturing of relationships between the Saudis and Israel yep. and what impact that's going to have on the region. But that might all be for now, given the current conflict. Yeah. So let's talk about now then, Mac. Okay, we'll talk about now and in typical fashion. We'll talk about now, but we're going to start 2,000 years ago. Okay. I want to take you to a place called Masada. This story is going to involve King Herod. Right. A bunch of Jewish zealots. Okay. Pablo Escobar, right. Vespasian, <laughs> yeah. Hamas, Gaza, Netanyahu, and all the players, right? Okay. So Masada is the biggest visited tourist site in Israel. Okay. It is on a rock in the Judean desert, which is to the south of the West Bank, looking into the Dead Sea. It is a historic, archaeologically fascinating place. On top of this massive rock, is a fortification. Mm. That fortification was built by Herod in 30 to 40 AD. Right. Just after... King Herod, right. Just, just after Jesus died. Right. right? Okay. Just after Jesus was crucified. King Herod. Why is he building a fortification there? Because the Romans are occupying the area. And Herod is the king of the Judeans and the people from Galilee and that area, right? Mm. But he is, in effect, a Roman gopher there. Yeah. The Romans have taken over and he's their man doing their bidding. So he'll be like the Lord Lieutenant in Ireland when yes. the English were yeah, occupying yeah, yeah, this gotcha. place. Yeah. So that's Herod, right? Yeah. Now, side by side with Herod, okay, Herod is trying to negotiate how do we get the Romans off our back, but how do we keep this a Jewish homeland? La, 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 la. He's trying to figure out the whole thing, right? There are a bunch of geezers, John, called the Skitari or Skiari. Right. And this comes from, these are Jewish zealots, right? Extreme Jewish nationalists who say, Herod, you're far too 
accepting of the Romans. What we're going to do is we're going to provoke the Romans and we're going to terrorise the Romans into leaving here and we're going to actually involve ourselves in small-scale atrocities against Romans. Right. Now, why are they called the Scitari? Is because Scitari comes from the Hebrew word Sciari for a knife. And this all comes okay, from... All right. You've heard the expression cloak and dagger. Yeah. Cloak and dagger comes from these guys. So yeah. what they did was they would go up and they would stab and assassinate Romans with their daggers, their sciari, and oh. then put them under their cloak and disappear into okay. the crowd. So these were the original hitmen. Yeah. And the reason I say hitmen is because the Latin American word for a hitman is sicari. Right. For a hitman. And who was a hitman? Pablo Escobar. He started his life before narcos <laughs> as a sicari. Right, right? That's brilliant. Yeah, so, these, yeah. the, so the sicari were the splinter group, yeah. which were a an extreme Jewish nationalist group that wanted to provoke the Romans into a counteroffensive that would be so unbelievably disastrous for the Jews that the Jews would rise up and they would defeat the Romans. Right. right? So that was the tactic, which is a classic independent struggle, terrorist, counterinsurgency, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The Romans, eventually, the reason Israelis go to Masada is Masada was the site of the mass suicide of the last 960 Sicaris, right? Where they threw themselves off the cliff of Masada rather than be captured by the Romans. But why did they do that? How how did that come about? So they provoked the Romans Mm. in the same way as all freedom fighters, terrorists, whatever you want to call them, depending on which side of the fence you are. Vespasian is sitting in Rome, right? So Vespasian's the first emperor of the Flavian dynasty. Right. And he takes over from the Claudian dynasty, the Claudian dynasty, Augustus and all those sort of geezers, yeah. right? They were basically the family of Julius Caesar. Okay, yeah. They end up being corrupted, the last one of which, of course, is Nero. We all know the guy who's yeah. playing the liar while yeah. at the geezer. So Vespasian's a man of action. In 70 AD, he says, all right, screw this. These uppity Jews down in Judea and Galilee, they're annoying me so much. They've also got this kind of Jesus Christ sort yeah. of Messiah character. They've yeah. got the Schiaris. They've got all sorts of things. We're going to go in once and for all and sort them out. Yeah. So they basically, in effect, carpet bomb the area, right? <laughs> yeah. And interestingly, John, Vespasian also starts the Colosseum. What does he pay for the Colosseum with? The gold they robbed from the Jews when they destroyed the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD. Yes, okay. The last hideout of the Jews was Masada after the Romans had conquered Jerusalem, and they eventually go, and rather than captured, they martyr themselves, right? Now, this has become now the holy of holy of Israelis. And if you go on holidays there, or if you find yourself there, they'll all advise, go to Masada, right? Yeah. It's all about martyrdom, John. It's all about the cult of death, the cult of martyrdom. Who is remembered? Not the average Jewish resistance person, who ends up getting destroyed and getting kicked out, and that's the beginning of the Jewish diaspora, is AD 70. It's these guys. So it's the myth of martyrdom. And that now is exactly what's happening with Hamas. Exactly the same story is playing out. So Hamas know they can't win in Gaza, but they know if they're martyred that they will actually live forever in the consciousness of the resistance movements of Palestine. Is is this just a... A religious idea or is this, you know, more cultural? No, John, this is really cultural, right? And this is called eschatology, right? And eschatology is 
a cultural, a scientific, a sociological, a historic vein of thought about right. the kind of death cult, right? Now you can actually, Porrick Pierce had this, right? The blood sacrifice. Right. The, the end of the world, the sort of, we are going to a clash of civilizations. This is the end of the world. We are going to be martyred. And, and this is very, very present in a lot of, of course, Palestinian thinking, Arab mm. thinking with the, the martyrdom, of the suicide bombers, but also the settlers in Israel have the same view, which is that God gave us the land and you can't take us the land away from us because it's our land and God gave it to us. You also have it in extreme nationalist movements that will always believe and I suppose in the, blood sacrifice. The, the evangelicals in in, uh, in America, in the America. day of reckoning is part of all that, all, all that stuff. Yeah, in yeah, Russia, yeah, yeah. you have it to the Orthodox Church when they talk about Ukraine, this is our land and it goes back and this was part of the, the great Russian empire, right? right? So this sort of thinking is what you're fighting against. So as opposed to Western thinking, which is kind of, we live for today and commerciality and you make we, the best we of... Live, we live for today. Life's short, so make Life's short, we make, you know. So what I see in Gaza, if you really, really take altitude and you really try to understand what is going on on a couple of levels, the yeah. Masada story is all about the obsession with martyrdom and how martyrdom lives on beyond the generations. Right. As we see Israelis going to pay their homage to this place where 960 loons yeah. ended up throwing themselves off a cliff. Now, interesting of loons, do you know who else was one of these? Who? Judas Iscariot. Right. Judas Iscariot, the man who betrayed Jesus. The Iscariot is thought to come from Sicario. That okay, he was one right, of, right, right. Because they were a secret society. Yeah. Yeah. And they existed in Palestine and Galilee and Judea all during Jesus' time because they were a resistance movement against yeah. the Roman occupiers. Today, Hamas are the Sicarios, right? Yeah. They are an extreme resistance movement against Israeli, what they would describe as occupation, colonialization, all that sort of stuff, yeah. right? So it's fascinating to me that in the region, this thinking endures and it doesn't really endure in other parts of the world, right? It's very, very, very strong in this region. Yeah, it, it is. And as you say, it kind of transcends religion. It, it transcends it, religion, yeah. It's in Islam, it's in Christianity, it's in Judaism, it's in all that kind of stuff. But they must have thought, though, that Jesus himself then was the ultimate kind of eschatologist. Yes. You know, because he... Died on the cross. God. I am God, exactly. Like, you guys are going around stabbing Romans, right? Yeah. I'm going one better than everybody else. You might, it might not look at, I'm God, man. Yeah. Right? But my point is, if you see what's happening today, the echoes of history are there all the time. Now, it's very, very clear if you go to today, you have this sort of, again, eschatology sort of view, which is that this is the war of civilization. This is the day of reckoning. This is the battle to end all battles. As yeah, Saddam yeah, said, yeah. the mother and father of all battles, Hamas, we are going to be martyred. And even if we die, it doesn't matter how many Israelis die or how many Palestinians die, the cause will be sacred. Yeah. And they look to Masada and say, look, even the Israelis have their cause that is sacred. And 2,000 years later, they're still going to pay homage yeah, to yeah, this. Yeah, so, yeah. Right, so that's going on. And then there's the practical side, which is we know that the only solution for this is the two-state solution. You've got to get back to that, right? And we know that for the Israelis, the only solution is the two-state solution. Why is that? Because of the demography. So Israel cannot 
give the Palestinians in the West Bank the same rights as Israelis because that would dilute the Jewish character of Israel. Mm. Because remember we said there's 7 million Muslims, including the West Bank and Gaza, and there's basically 7 million Jews, more or less, right? So the Israelis want to keep Israel, and I understand this, a Jewish majority, because that is the Jewish homeland, right? And we understand that because Jews have been persecuted over the years, they need a place to go. But they cannot, therefore, allow the Palestinians full rights. Because if they allow the Palestinians full rights, the Palestinians will have a vote, and basically it'll be 50-50. So they have to do a two-state deal, not because they want to do it, because it's existential for them. So eventually, that's where we are going. So to date... We've tried this. We we spoke about the two-state solution through the Oslo Accord yeah. in the 90s, yeah. which didn't work. But because- it doesn't work because of Hamas and Netanyahu. Yes. The bastard child of the Oslo Accord is Netanyahu on the Israeli side and Hamas on the Palestinian side. Yeah. Because it's Hamas sabotaged the accord simply by putting the suicide bombs in Israel after the accord. They yeah. undermined Arafat. Then, of course, by undermining Arafat, they focus Israeli attention not on peace, but on security. They then vote for the guy who says, I'm Mr. Security. Who's that? That's Netanyahu. So suddenly you have the center is called obliterated. Yeah. The two-state solution gone. And these two alternatives facing each other off as they are doing now in Gaza. But we know that that's not the future. So then a new kind of approach came about. And this led to the Abraham Accords and discussions between, as we were saying earlier, Saudi Arabia and Israel and creating new links and new agreements between them. So this is the new American approach, right? So the new American approach is how do we, after the debacle in Iraq, which we thought we were going to win and be top dogs, and we end up losing, how do we surround Iran by our friends, their enemies? So what they did was they came up with this ruse, which they went along, which played into Netanyahu's playbook, right? Which was, forget about the Palestinians. We will get you, the Israelis, to do a deal with the Saudis. This will then mean that the two implacable enemies of Iran, the Saudis, because they are Sunni Muslims, and the Iranians are Shia Muslims, and they have been fighting for dominance of Islam in the region for hundreds of years, right? We will get you to do a deal with the Israelis. Mm. So we'll have this bizarre situation where the Israelis, who've already done deals with Morocco, Tunisia, Algeria, Egypt, will do a deal with Saudi Arabia, and they will try to do a deal with Turkey. If they had a deal with Turkey, and what this will do is this will surround the region with allies of America, unambiguous allies of America and opponents of Iran. Mm. The Iranians, understanding what was going on, said, okay, well, what do we do? How do we scupper this deal? We scupper this deal by creating an axis of resistance. The axis of resistance is between Hamas, Hezbollah, and Islamic Jihad. The other thing, of course, is going on in Hamas's head is if the Israelis and the Saudis do a deal, and the Saudis say part of this deal is we're going to look after the Palestinians. Yeah. So we're going to arrive in Gaza with a large checkbook, a Saudi checkbook. Yeah. And that Saudi checkbook will be offered to the Palestinians as an alternative for the Kalashnikov of Hamas. And then, of course, Hamas is out of business because they yeah. can't compete with the checkbook. 
That's the dynamic. That's what has happened. But isn't that, I mean, just based on what we were just saying then, that that just shows a complete lack of understanding of this whole idea of eschatology. Precisely. So, so the Saudis are basically going in with the Israelis and the Americans, basically playing Monopoly, and the Hamas and the Iranians yeah. are not only playing chess, but they're playing God. Yes. And yeah. God and money are actually rubbing up against each other. Yeah. So now what do the Americans do? So incredibly fundamental, isn't it's it? Fundamental. It's fundamental. Really, this, is, really this, is why, this is why traveling around the region over the years was amazing for me because I just sit and listen to people all yeah. the time. I could sit in cafes, bars, listen to Palestinians, particularly getting my hair cut, John, in East Jerusalem, <laughs> right? So old Jerusalem, when you yeah. go into, remember I was talking to Jaffa Gate yeah. and Damascus Gate, right? That must be a bit of an experience for them. Red hair. Red, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. Although there's many Islamic people like to actually dye their hair red for henna, because they yeah. believed that Muhammad, I think it was Muhammad, I could get this right, I could get this wrong, had red hair. Right. So there's, you might see a lot of, in, in, in England, if you look at a lot of sort of religious Muslims, they've red beards. Yes. They're dyed with henna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's, yeah. That, I digress. Yeah. But if you go into the Jaffa Gate, or if you go into the Damascus Gate, and you get into the old side, and if you're walking down to the Wailing Wall, it's all Palestinian, right? All Palestinians. Yeah. And there's some brilliant barber shops, right? <laughs> so you give a lovely, a lovely shave, yeah. and you get your hair cut, and of course you chat to them. And so I would chat for hours having little cups of chai, cups of tea yeah. outside these places, just talking to Palestinians. And they talk like this. And then you talk to Israelis and they talk like this. And you think, wow, this is, this is a weird world that we don't understand. So you've got God versus man. And these are fundamental clashes. Yeah. And of course, we in the West, we continue to talk about what I would call money clashes. So we, the Israelis are their settlers and their colonialists. Our framework are the words of the 19th century. Mm. The European words of the 19th century, of which Zionism is part of that, because yeah. it's a Zion 19th century European idea. But the framework of many others in the battle are deeply, deeply fundamental, religion, all this other thing. And this is what you're seeing. But now, there's one other really critical layer to this, which is what has happened in the last three weeks worldwide. Yeah. which is this massive pro-Palestinian movement you've seen all around the West, right? This, then, is something that is welcomed incredibly warmly in Beijing and in the Kremlin. And that's the other layer we're going to talk about after the break. Okay. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mac, a, n- a number of weeks ago, actually months ago now at this age, I don't know, I, I lose track of time, but we had Vikas Nath on. Yes. And he was speaking about the rise of India and all the rest. I know India's not part of this discussion, but he was describing a shift in the Middle East, like Saudi Arabia and all the, the Gulf states, from a Western view to an Eastern oh, yeah. view. And looking towards Beijing there as the future. And look at, I suppose, towards India as well. Well, I mean, two things here. One of the things, if you've ever flown to Dubai from Ireland, mm. what you'd be amazed is the plane is full of Indians. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So basically what you realize is that Dubai and the region is the access point from Asia to Europe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's very Asian. And yeah. it's very Asian. The other thing is, don't think the Indians are not in this fight. The Indians are the only mates the Israelis have. This is a fascinating thing. Okay, yeah, the explain Indians that one. are in a constant fight with Islam. Yeah. So the Hindus are the Israelis' natural friends because India was set up in 1947. Yeah. There was a massive refugee crisis. Hindus were expelled from Pakistan. Mm. Muslims were expelled from India. There's now a massive Muslim. One of the biggest Muslim populations in the world is Indian, right? Yeah. But the Hindus are totally pro-Israeli because they see in Hamas and the Palestinians, they see Pakistan. Yeah. They see Islam. So they don't think they're not in the fight. They're in the fight. This yeah. is this is why it all is fascinating. Everybody's got a, a sort of a dog in the fight one way or the other. But the people who are sitting loving this, of course, are the Chinese and the Russians, right? Putin visited Xi last week. Mm-hmm. This is the 42nd time in 10 years these have met. 42nd time, wow. right? So That's, there is yeah, no yeah, yeah. way in which we know that Putin would have risked going into Ukraine without some sort of imprimatur by the Chinese. Yeah. There's no way, right? This is when the, the friendship forever stuff they talked about, right? Now, what China, Russia, Iran, this is an axis mm. against America. They now realize, and this is why I think this war is going to escalate, they now realize that this is the wedge issue they were looking for all the time. And what I say is this is the issue that drives a wedge between the young and the old in the West, between the rich and the poor in the West, between the global South and the West, between everybody and the West, Israel, Palestine, right? We've seen it exploded onto the streets. Did we see any concerted mass movement in support of the Ukrainians? No. Do we see it in support of the Uyghurs? No. So what always intrigued me is... When Israel-Palestine kicks off, as it does all the time, Mm. the West and the left in the West explode, right? So they never did this for the Ukrainians. What happens to the Ukrainians? Nobody went went on a concert for the Ukrainians. A couple of Ukrainians did, right? But nobody else, right? Nobody galvanized university departments. No academics were deploying words like fascists and settlers and colonists and imperialists, right? This is the wedge issue. And the Chinese and the Russians realize, and the Iranians, that this is the issue that will destroy the West. Yeah. 
because this is the one that divides the West. This is the one, look, look at what happened in the European Union. European Union, full scale behind Ukraine on the official level, right? Yeah. Now, France has a very different view to Germany. Belgium's got a very, very different view to Ireland. Spain has got a different view to Italy on Israel-Palestine. You have pro-Palestinian Europeans and pro-Israeli Europeans. Yeah. So if you're Putin and you're Gilles, you're saying, man, this is it. This is the issue that we can destroy the Americans with and never raise a finger. So, so how do they do that? How do they... So they use Iran. This? So basically they use Iran mm. and Iran uses Hezbollah, uses Islamic Jihad, and uses, of course, Hamas. Yeah. Now, it's not always Iran. Qatar is in there. But in general, it is the Iranians doing the training. So what the Kremlin and Beijing can do, they say, now we have the issue. And we're going to fuck the Americans on this issue. Because this is the one issue that we now know in the last three weeks is destroying the coherence of the West, which we can't stand. And the West goes from Australia, Japan, Canada, the United States, Europe, okay? And large parts or some parts of Latin America, yeah, but yeah. increasingly not so much, right? This is the enemy for them. And they have been trying to figure out where can we really, really destroy the West without attacking them? Israel. And this is where the Americans are stuck in a trap. So, so what does this look like then? So there's a thing in chess, right, called Zugzwang, Okay. <laughs> Now Very, you're making this up. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Zugzwang is what happens in chess, where no matter what move you make, you lose. But you have to make the move. Right. Is it's that a, like checkmate? No, no, it's a different to checkmate. Because checkmate, you can actually, you can't really move. Right. right. This one, you can move. You can get out of it. But any move you make makes your situation a little bit worse. Okay. <laughs> now, very, very German, Zugzwang. Yeah, yeah. It's a good word as well, isn't it? <laughs> okay. America and Israel are caught in that now. Because... Right. The Israelis, I can feel from talking to Israeli friends who are not radical, who, are, who cannot stand Netanyahu, but they have been radicalized by this attack on the 7th of October, mm. right? They do not see the equivalence because they are blinded by rage, they are blinded by humiliation. This is a massive humiliation for the Israelis. This is a huge shock yeah, for them. Yeah. A massive shock because they depended all... What I Remember that la-la land I was explaining, the la-la land of living in Florida with the yes, reservations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all based on the absolute certainty that their army was better than everybody else. Yeah. And their technology was better and than everybody. Their technology, yeah. That was and it, now yeah. they realise that Hamas not only outsmarted their technology, but Hamas got into Israel, not by using technology, by using bulldozers, like yeah. 20th century technology. Yeah, yeah. So now the Israelis are completely shocked. So they, they can't see straight at all. But they do understand that they're trapped because they understand that Iran can, in the next couple of weeks, escalate this by signaling to Hezbollah to start in the north of Israel. Yeah. So you have a war in Gaza, you have Hezbollah war in the north of Israel, and you have a third intifada in the West Bank. Israelis can't cope with that. That's and a three-front war. Absolutely. And as you said before, that's that's their, their absolute nightmare. But if Hamas can launch 5,000 rockets in a 24-hour period, wherever they got them from... Ham they got uh, them from Iran. Yes, but Hezbollah... Have got much more. Would have much more because they weren't as penned in as the Gaza Strip. Yeah, and of course in the Intifada you have the average Palestinian. So this is 
this is the trap oh that God. Iran okay. has sprung for the Israelis. And the Israelis, with their arrogance and their naivety, that strange combination of victimhood and arrogance, yeah. in the last, we go back to the last 10 years of Netanyahu, couldn't see what was going on. Yeah. They said, don't worry, these, we'll do a deal with the Saudis. That'll keep most Arabs on side. We'll get some money from the Saudis. That'll keep the Gaza on side. Yeah. We can behave really badly in the West Bank. Because you know what? The Arabs are doing deals with us. Iran, we seem to have knocked them in the head. We've got yeah. them figured out. Hezbollah, you know, yes, we're a bit worried about them. But again, they're more worried about us. Yeah. So it was that great combination of sort of naivety, arrogance, misunderstanding of the situation. Now they're caught in a trap. Yeah. And the trap has been sprung, not just by Hamas, but also by their own brutal occupation of the West Bank. Yeah. Right? So it's all coming home to roost for them. And now they are sitting there. And the Americans, the Biden Americans, right, realize they're also in a trap because the wedge has been driven between the official establishment of all Western countries and the street, so to speak, the Western street, which are the kids and the, the, the students and everybody saying Israel is the issue. And Putin, having almost lost in Ukraine, yeah. and Xi, with their 42 meetings in the last 10 years, they weren't talking about faking, you know, do you think Panathinaikos should have beaten West Brom or, or West Ham the other night, right? <laughs> they were talking strategy. And now it's all playing out. And the Americans from having been still the dominant player, are now completely on the back foot because they are trapped. It's like Masada. We're going back mm. 2,000 years. You've got martyrdom on one side. You've got a coalition on the other side. You've got an axis against the Americans. And right in the middle, you've got the Israelis who know they need a two-state solution. But they're so blinded by rage at the moment that what they're trying to do, I think tactically, is be as unbelievably murderous in Gaza as possible to destroy whatever they can of Hamas as possible because they know that they don't have time on their side, right? At the moment, the wedge has been driven between, for example, Western European and American governments and yeah. students yeah. and young people and radicals and socialists and also people who think this is just wrong. Yeah. Right? This is just wrong, okay? Just on a basic human rights level. Wait until the Arabs flip, right? And the Arabs will flip at some stage because the longer the Israelis are in Gaza, the longer the protests are going on, and the less latitude the Arab regimes have to think everything's fine. And, of course, the first one to flip will be Saudi because Saudis are the people who decided, the Saudis have also decided, we are the leaders of Sunni Islam. Mm. We are, where is the great shrine? Where is Mecca? It's in Saudi Arabia, all that sort of stuff. And that goes back to your eschatology. What's yeah. actually fighting them isn't pounds, shilling, pence, strategy, borders, democracy, rationality. rationality. We're going to have some sort of martial plan for Gaza. They, that's not what's going on here. What's going on here is religion, God, martyrdom, and this idea is, how will I be remembered or we be remembered? Not tomorrow or the next day or the next day, yeah. but in a hundred years, a thousand years. And you can't fight that.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.